whole idea is to buy these correctly and to work with the homeowner to keep them in their homes with payments they can afford while making a profit for myself. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, I'm excited to have Martin Sines. Martin, how are you doing today? Good, Todd. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, excellent. Well, I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. And um, thanks for joining us. So a little bit about uh, Martin. He brings social good and smart investing. Martin is a managing partner of Bequest Funds, renowned as a thought leader in the mortgage note industry. Martin is generous in his firsthand experience or expertise to the benefit of his many clients and followers, genuine, loyal, passionate about creating a better world through profitable business. He works hard to share and spread success. And that's what he's going to do today for our listeners. So together with, uh, with uh, Martin's business partner, Sean, uh, they co-founded Bequest Funds. Uh, with the dual purpose of helping investors grow their wealth and helping mortgage borrowers also stay in their homes. And so we'll kind of dive into what that looks like. Uh, and we talked before the show too, that you're, you know, you, you own multiple companies uh, or have owned multiple companies mm -hmm. prior to uh, launching Bequest. You've also are a, a buy and hold investor. And, um, and so you do, you do a, a lot. And so I want to dive in, you know, talk about how you operate that business successfully and how you kind of, you know, also balance, of course, you know, you've got a uh, wife and four kids and so how you balance it all. So <laughs> welcome to the show. Appreciate you uh, joining us. Thank you. You make it sound like a lot, a lot of activity. <laughs> You're like, wow, I'm just tired. I can't believe it. <laughs> what happened? I felt so energized before this. Yeah. It's good. So, so tell me a little bit, uh, you know, I, I gave a brief intro, but what did I miss? You know, what's your, what's your background uh, coming into, uh, you know, where you're at today? What's, what's your background? Yeah. I mean, I could give um, the academic background. Uh, you know, I have an MBA, I have an MS in project management. So I have the whole formal education thing. And um However, you know, prior to getting formal education, prior to getting fired from a corporate job and uh, kind of moving into entrepreneurship, you know, I always had a hunger in my belly. Uh, you know, I always, um, after, after undergrad, I majored in philosophy, by the way. So if, if um, you ever want to experience uh, cruelty in this world, um, you know, to, to the umph degree, then get a philosophy degree. Cause then, <laughs> cause I, I had temp agencies that, that said that I was underqualified for, or, or you know, to, to work with a temp agency. So mm. it was just all the doors were closed, but um, you know, I, I was always looking at the real estate ads for uh, land that was being sold. I didn't quite understand what I was looking for or why I was looking at it, yeah. but I always had that kind of, um, inkling to to do something for myself that's funny i i did that for a lot too i would look at these like ads you know i'd, I'd pick up the, the 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 gas station would have a little pamphlet with all like the the real estate listings and so i'd pick that up and i'd go through it all and and uh look for you know 
a cabin or a land or, you know, something. Mm-hmm. And I was the same way. I didn't know really what I was looking for, but for some reason my brain was like, this is attractive. Like that you should buy some of this stuff. And I would always joke that with one of my friends when I was younger that, you know, we're going to, we're going to be these big, you know, uh, land barons and own a bunch of properties. <laughs> and uh, I guess here I am. But <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't thinking of, of it looking like this, but you know, it all works out. So, um, okay. So it, part, you weren't thinking, you weren't thinking that there would be this much work involved well, that, in it all. Yeah, that, that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought it was going to be like super easy. Right. Uh, and yeah. everybody says it's passive income. It's, is it passive income? Like, is this truly uh, passive income? Passive income. It takes a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. Uh, but it's a lot of fun work and you know, you're building businesses. So, so you, and you've built multiple businesses. What were the other businesses that you built? Yeah. So, um, you know, when my wife and I started, we, we try to do a few different ventures. Um, I got fired from a corporate job in 04 and we really went to a whole host of real estate seminars. Uh, you know, we would drive five hours to go to a real estate seminar. We would be self-educating ourselves. You know, we thought we were going to open up a pet walking business, a, uh, you know, a sub shop, and because it was one of those things, it, it was, um, we were just looking to find what we wanted to do. And we knew that we wanted to do it together. So there was this sub gourmet sub shop that was for sale. And I was just thinking, I'm like, well, my wife's an incredible cook. So I'm like, why wouldn't she want to make sandwiches for the universe? And, yeah. and then until she said, no, absolutely not. I'm just cooking for you. So we just had this whole back and forth journey for about a year, year and a half. And uh, we stumbled upon a museum exhibit company um, by which we were just primarily selling to the federal government. And that's what we laid our hat on. We were living in the DC area at the time. And uh, that began, that began our entrepreneurial journey. What do you, what do you mean a museum? I have no clue what you're talking about. Explain that. So, so um, if you go into a museum and you see, murals on the walls you see uh cabinets that are built you see artifacts displayed you see mannequins you know all toward all sorts of visual aids well the federal government dolls up their federal buildings and various installations with types of museum artifacts and and displays and and artwork projects so that's what that's what we did as a profession. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't even know that was a thing, but that's, that's pretty cool. It's amazing. Those listeners, man, it's just amazing. Like how many different opportunities there are out there. It's not that you have to like go do one thing. You can do so many different things. So why, what happened to that business? Did you decide why did you decide to get out of it? What happened there? Yeah. So, so we actually, um, eventually after kind of three years of, of grueling, uh, you know, being really beat down financially and, and getting the business off the ground. Um, you know, we, we decided to sell the company. We had uh, contracts with the Pentagon. And I mean, we, we did all types of projects for very influential people in the government, like the Secretary of Defense, Secretary of Navy. Hmm. So we had a lot of prestigious um, uh, projects, past performance under our belt. And we decided to sell it because um, 
you know, at the time it was uh, extremely profitable and, and we were putting in hundred hour work weeks and we, we wanted to start building a family. Yeah. You know, the business was a baby for a long time, but you know, it was time to kind of move on from that point. And we wanted something a little bit more passive in terms of wealth building. Yeah. Yeah. So you created a business that was making money, but you really created a job for yourselves. It sounds like. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jobs, uh, plural. <laughs> <laughs> Jobs. Yeah. yeah and, and it sounds like a lot of hours. So that that's definitely. Oh yeah. Uh, I so mean, I start my day, you know, I start my day at four now, but I, I mean, I would start the day, you know, at installations at four or five in the morning. Wow. And then I would end up, you know, at Buffalo Wild Wings at 10 at night writing proposals, you know, while having a few beers, kind of mixing in social life with, uh, you know, with proposal writing. So, uh, you know, that wears on you over time. Yeah. Yeah. You can only do that for so long. I mean, it's okay to have that grind. I tell everybody, my, the, you know, when I, when I first started this business, I was grinding. I mean, and, and then that you're going to, you know, it's okay to have that grind, but if you got to keep that grind up the entire time, it's just not sustainable. You can't do it for five years, 10 years. It just, it's just not going to happen. And you can do it for periods of time in my, and maybe, maybe some people are more machines than me, but I, I feel like I've got a pretty dang good work ethic. And, and for me, I have to, there has to be seasons of me not putting in hundred hour work weeks. Otherwise I'm done. Yeah. And, I, and you're not having fun. You're not having fun. I, I'm assuming you stopped having fun in that business after a period of time. Oh yeah. Yeah. After a period of time, it just became, um, so I became spiritually void and, uh, you know, I would, I would be traveling around the country doing projects at various military installations. I would just be, I would be drinking way more than I needed to drink. And I hardly drink now occasionally, but you know, it was just, I was, um, I was spiritually bankrupt. So, so the best, best two things that happened is when we sold the company we sold it at the height of its performance so we got a good amount for it and uh and then also too i found a relationship with god and really just kind of changed my life around whereby i said well i don't i want to build a business smarter next time one that's more delivers more passive income but also one where I'm of service to other people mm. versus just trying to obtain material possessions. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Powerful, powerful. That's, that's awesome. Um, so what business was next then? Yeah. So, you know, uh, my wife and I had maintained our portfolio of commercial residential properties. We still own that. Uh, we still own those today. However, we have been selling off some residential properties because the market is sizzling hot. Yeah. And um, so that's been real positive. Uh, as but as for the next venture, um, you know, I stumbled upon the note industry. And, uh, and, and what you know, the thought behind that is that, well, let me just back up. So the mortgage note industry is basically, for me, the, the, the area that I got into was distressed mortgage notes. So these are mortgages whereby the borrower has not made a payment in four or five years. So the whole idea is to buy these correctly and to work with the homeowner to keep them in their homes with payments they can afford while making a profit for myself. So that, that's kind of the idea behind note investing. However, um, what, what I found was just kind of um, 
you know, I found kind of a whole interesting road whereby um, you have to do it very carefully. There's a lot of pitfalls and there's a huge steep learning curve along with also to a capital requirement. But, uh, but it was fun and exciting and that was my next venture. So note investing, so you're buying distressed mortgages. So, I mean, you're buying mortgages from people who maybe lost their job, maybe got a divorce, uh, maybe somebody died in the family, you know, or maybe they just don't want to pay their mortgage because they don't like paying mortgages. <laughs> who knows? Mm -hmm. I mean, but, but uh, most of the time it's probably, you know, the first, what I said. Uh, yeah. So you're, you're, you know, you got these people that can't pay their mortgage. You're going to, your goal is to come in and to buy this mortgage and get them to get them to pay, convince them, Hey, you know, I know you weren't paying before, but I want you to pay. Like, take me through that. First of all, let's, let's start from, I guess the start, cause that's a big question. Um, where do you, where do you find, how do you find these things? Like, how do you find a distress note to buy? And who do you call? Like, do you call like 1-800-NOTES? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, there's some websites that are online marketplaces. There are. Note for note trading, mm. um, like paperstack.com. And so, you know, one can buy in a retail setting that way. However, uh, you know, for, for one to have a sustained business in note investing, you really need to cultivate relationships within the secondary mortgage market space. So this is, this, this is the area whereby the loan was originated yeah. at a bank or some lending institution. It became defaulted, got bundled into a tranche and sold into this flea market by which is called secondary mortgage market where hedge funds are buying and selling this, the, these assets. But so, so, I mean, how do you, but how do you even get, like, how do you even know where those are? Like, I, I don't think the common person has a clue. Like, where do you find the secondary? Do you call your local bank and say, Hey, I want to buy your distressed notes or like, what do you. So, so it's interesting. Um, I wrote a whole book on, on how to find by the book. <laughs> well, no, no, it's not. Yeah. It's it, the book sells well. I mean, it's yeah. It, yeah. it's interesting because I'm kind of an introvert by nature, and then I wrote the book, uh, Note Investing Made Easier. It's one of five books I've written, and once I wrote that, then it's just people just started coming out of the woodworks, and mm. I started connecting with people, and became like the spotlight came um, yeah. got placed on me. But um, to find it, it's, it's probably no different than finding a multi-property deal outside CoStar. It, you know, you're, you have to have deep-rooted relationships with brokers and all, other, other um, owners of these properties so you can cultivate um, off-market transactions, negotiated mm -hmm. deals. And, and so that's really what I did. And it takes a long time and you have to develop an identity. You have to become someone that they can trust to transact with. Yeah. And, and so there's a whole marketing and branding effort that goes behind it. However, once you start transacting with certain players, then the reputation grows and, and people start coming back to you. Sellers start coming to you with repeat opportunities. Um, 
Okay, so you find an opportunity, you you buy it. Is it is it you're buying it all cash? Or can you? Oh yeah, it? oh yeah. We we buy. Uh, yeah, I, I sell funded transactions for the first four or five years, and uh, now we have. Uh, I have a partner, and we have uh, one capital partner, and it's pretty much that's that's how we roll on that side of the fence. That's not how Bequest funds is set up, the income fund, but that's how the distress side is set up. Got it. And then how do you, so, so you buy this note and your goal is to try to actually keep the people in it. The goal is not to try to foreclose, I'm assuming, right? It's, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, there's two so, exits with every note. Op- there's two exits with every note purchase. So you either exiting through the property through foreclosure or deed in lieu, or you're exiting through the borrower in terms of a loan modification or a payoff. Okay. So how, so, so explain that, how do you keep them in and how do you actually make money if with them still in there? Yeah. So you're buying these notes at a discount. So um, the whole idea is uh, for us is I, I built a team of asset managers that treat the homeowners like gold. They treat them like valued customers. And so they're treated with respect. We um, look to engage in, in dialogue with the homeowners. We look to understand what they, can, what they can pay financially to help them get back on track. So we take a whole compassionate approach. And given the fact that we purchase these notes at a discount, it allows us to make certain concessions to help the homeowners get back on track. So, so our philosophy is one of service. And I believe that goes a long way in terms of us creating kind of long enduring loan modifications with these homeowners. And that's how it's, it's kind of that whole, we've built a portfolio of these performing mortgages that were, you know, had a scratch and dent at one point, like you mentioned, a divorce or some health issue. Now they're back on track with us. And these are seasoned paying notes every month. They're paying like clockwork. And so then do you sell those at a pre, do you sell those later at a premium sometimes, or do you keep them all? So we keep them and uh, it actually helps fuel our operation as we, um, you know, in the last 18 months, we've purchased about $30 million of these distressed mortgages. So we're an active buyer in the marketplace. Um, and the thought behind Bequest funds, which is an income fund, which houses performing mortgages that are, that are similar to the mortgages that I just mentioned where they're, they're, they're modified and they're, mm. they're seasoned. So our, our intention initially was to create a legacy play whereby we could purchase these performing mortgages from our distressed hedge fund into Bequest and make a legacy play for ourselves and our investors because it's, it's set up as an evergreen fund. However, what we found is that we wanted, we, we ended up leaving a majority of our performing mortgages in our hedge fund to fund the operation while we're buying re-performing these performing mortgages slash re-performing mortgages from the secondary market third party. Okay. Okay. So you're taking, are you taking, oh, I just want to clarify this because I don't, I don't know if I have it right or not. Are you taking these distressed 
mortgages that you buy and then bringing them into the fund and, and then or selling them into the fund, basically? So um, purpose your capital to buy more? Yeah, so on occasion we do that. However, we, we generally don't. We generally, in the fund, in the income fund, we, we generally are raising capital. It's a 506C Reg D fund. So we're raising, it's a $50 million fund. So we're raising money into the fund. And then we're going out into the secondary mortgage market space and buying performing mortgages at a 12 to 14% yield. And then we're paying our investors either an eight or 9% pref on a monthly basis. So, so that's, that's kind of how the fund set up. So we're actually going to, we're actually keeping our portfolio of performing mortgages on the hedge fund side while building a portfolio of performing mortgages on the income fund side. Interesting. Um, so how much of a discount are you typically getting on these distressed? I mean, is it 50% off? Is it, 80% off? Is there like a specific percentage? You know, let's say, let's say a borrower owes $200,000. What could you expect to get off on it? Yeah. So, um, you know, when I first started, it was, it was a lot less. It was half of what it is now at, at, at minimum. Um, but right now for good quality, um, assets, you're, you're looking at, uh, 30 cents to 60 cents on the dollar. That's what you're paying. You're paying 30 to 60 cents on the dollar. For distressed, yes. For distressed. Okay. And then when we're buying into- you have, some, you have some room to be able to rework um, how they pay you, right? Because if you're yeah. if you're buying a $100,000 mortgage for $30,000, they were paying based on, you know, probably even more than 100, quite frankly, because their mortgage maybe started at 150 or whatever it was. Uh, but now they, you could say, well, we're going to redo this and we're going to, you're going to pay based on that 30 at this rate. And maybe it's a little bit higher rate and whatever, but it's the payment probably could drastically go down. You can still make a really good return. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the whole idea is to, um, you know, the whole idea is to, is to create a plan that's going to fit the bars, you know, uh, debt to income and, and what they can afford monthly. Cause you know, everything else is pie in the sky. If, if the borrower is unable to make those payments monthly. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you could sit here and go, wow, look at the amount of money we can make <laughs> on this deal. Like we could charge We got this thing for 25 cents on the dollar and look at, look at how much we could charge these guys. And then, but then they don't make their payments. And then you're now you got it distressed and it's sitting there distressed still. And you're not making any money. So it's an art, you know, there, there's the science, the math, um, but there's the art of, of, of putting that all together. Hmm. I'm so, and you said earlier, you've got a whole team that works on putting those together with the, with the, with the borrowers. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And we, we use a licensed servicer for, um, you know, monthly statements for collecting payments, uh, you know, however, our, our asset managers are also there for the, for the bars to uh, engage. And if, um, you know, if they have any questions or, or concerns. So, I, I mean, very, very intriguing business. I, I think it's um, really interesting. And obviously you, you wrote a book on it. So people that want to know more in, in probably dig in details and learn it themselves 
uh, can buy that book and we'll put that in the show notes too. So people can look at it and buy it. Um, let's talk about the business aspect of it. And, and, you know, you've owned a, a few businesses. What's, what's some oh, one or two, let's just talk one first. What's one mistake that you've really made that you can, um, that you've learned from and you can pass on to our listeners. Yeah, I just, um, I stayed small in the beginning for the first four or five years. And so um, I, I should have scaled up sooner because mm-hmm. I would have taken down a lot of product that um, was a lot more affordable at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I just, just thinking small and uh, acting small. I'm right there with you. I, <laughs> I say the same thing all the time. People ask me that question. I said, same thing. I, I, you, you know, you think small and you look back and go, why was I doing that? Like it does, it just didn't make sense. Scared, um, you know, so fear, right? I mean, fear. there's, there's a number of things. Yeah. Fear. And, and I don't know if it was the same for you, but for me, I, and it's probably feeds really into fear, but for me, it was like, oh, I'm not ready yet. I'm not prepared yet. I've got to get, I've got to, I've got to get better at it um, before I go do it. And, and it ultimately yeah. probably still comes down to that was just you being afraid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm an introvert too. So, yeah. you know, I, I can be left alone and I'll be very happy for a yeah. while. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so what advice would you give our listeners to operate a business successfully? Maybe three habits, three tips that you can provide us to operate a business successfully. I'll say this in terms of investing, um, you know, invest in assets that cash flow and that you have control over. There's so much in this world that, that uh, we don't have control over. So you have to figure out what you can control and invest time and energy in that. And as far as investing in assets, you know, monthly cash flow is everything. And that's, that's why we created Bequest as a legacy play to create monthly income for, for individuals to help them cover their expenses and to grow their wealth. And so um, I also wrote Cashflow Dojo last year, build your home on multiple streams of income. And I know it's like a double plug, but honestly, that's what I feel in my heart of hearts is that I'm very passionate about, you know, helping myself, my family, my team, my, you know, my staff, my people around me, people listening to this, that their whole emphasis should be on, on, on building multiple streams of income in their lives. It's just not enough to have one stream of income in a family or even dual income in a family. Um, you know, a, um, you know, husband that needs to take care of their children, they, you know, they should be grinding it out and, you know, educating themselves, doing whatever it takes you know, uh, um, spouses, uh, you know, wives in relationships, same thing. It's, it's, uh, the, um, the way inflation's about to hit our economy, people, I hope they're ready. You know, I pray they're, they're, they're ready. Cause we're, we're about to see inflation like we've never seen post COVID in my personal opinion. I hope I'm wrong, but, um, you're going to get crushed if, if your if your wages are stagnant in, your you know, price at the pump is five bucks a gallon, you're going to get crushed. You're going to the grocery store and prices have doubled for your grocery bill. You're going to be buying cheaper food and not feeding your body well. I mean, a whole host of things are going to go on. 
Yeah, that, that's a, that's a whole conversation itself. And I, I, I don't know where it's going to go. I, I can't see how it's not going to, we're not going to have a, a large amount of inflation, but you're right. I mean, th- those who are counting on their steady paycheck, um, that's going to be, there's going to be difficult times if we do have a large amount of inflation happening. If we have, you know, this, even if it's a sustained four, four to 5%, uh, that's a big amount of inflation, especially because your income likely is not going up four to 5%. Now, a lot of people are getting paid a lot more at the low end. Um, we're seeing that already, but trust me, if you, if you're down, who's the under forgotten though, like the, un, the unforgotten class in our, our economy is not the min, minimum wage workers. Yeah. It's, yeah. The middle it's the middle class. Yeah. 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 The, but, that's the unforgotten. Those are, those are the ones that will get decimated. And even those that are, that are now, you know, we're making, you know, seven, eight bucks an hour and now making 12 to $15 an hour. They're not going to get 5% bump every single year. The inflation is going to, swallow them really quickly it, it they're going to be back to basically it looks like now they're making seven dollars an hour again because inflation took over um, yeah yeah so it's it's all relative and and i, I think people aren't prepared like you said <laughs> so, you're in the multifamily space i mean rents are going up yeah. right i mean there's yeah. tons of real estate investors that are cheering that on their their debt you know they have low cost of capital right mm-hmm three, four percent, whatever. And 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 you know, property taxes may be kind of creeping up a little bit, but rents are going to go up, profit margins are going up. There's people that that are starting to uh, pop the champagne bottle, but it's it's not it's not a good thing for a, good a lot, it's not gonna be a good thing for a lot of people yeah. that are not placing emphasis on building multiple streams of income. They should yeah. be on like your podcast, what we're talking about. I mean, this is this is survival. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. That that's good. So you, you called that you said that book was called Cash Flow Dojo. Is that what you said? Cash flow dojo. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's just like house of training, right? Discipline. Everything starts with discipline. Um, you know, I, I think even before discipline, right? Pruning the bushes, as Jim Rome talks about, and you know, cutting things out of your life that are not yeah. bringing value. Or, or not kind of working towards free financial freedom for your family. That kind of starts, you know, throw the TV out the window. Yep. Uh, first thing, you know, get off YouTube. If YouTube's, you know, if you're looking at cat videos or what have you, I mean, now's the time really to roll the sleeves up and to um, get to work for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Throw out the, throw out the noise, get rid of the noise that's in your life. And then also economically get rid of those extra expenses that you, you really don't, that don't serve any purpose to you. I deleted my Facebook account. I, I mean, that was, I did that last year. I mean, I, I got on Facebook one night and I just felt like my stress level increase yeah. and I just felt crappy being, te- you know, 10 minutes on Facebook. And I'm like, I'm like, I was feeling pretty good till I turned on Facebook. I'm like, this is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is just garbage. I mean, I love seeing the pictures of the cute kids and I'm yeah, all about yeah. that, but, but there's just so much garbage, so much it. trash on there. It, it, you're right. It's a breeding ground of, of a lot of drama, a lot of hate, a lot of uh, just, uh, just a lot of trash. Like you said, I, 
I haven't deleted my account. I didn't go that far, <laughs> but I was on Facebook a decent amount and I, I, I bet it's been almost six months and I have been on it maybe just a couple of times. Yeah. I just told, I, I just said, this is enough. You know, when all the political drama was happening and it yeah. just, I just was like, this is enough. I can't, I can't handle it. And, and I think you're right. You've got to cut that stuff out. You've got to be able to focus on what's really important in your life. And that's going to be, you know, taking care of your family, building yeah. your business, um, you know, those types of things and not, you know, watching cat videos. Yeah. I mean, even now, like if you're a renter and your lease is coming up in six months, I would be talking to my landlord now. I'd say, Hey, how can I re up at the same rate? Yeah. You know, just start thinking about, you know, how to, how to handle, you know, address your expenses while you're thinking of top line for revenue. Yeah. Oh man. Good stuff. Uh, I think so important to um, just the simple things. Uh, so we got to wrap up, but uh, I want to ask a couple last questions before we do. Uh, how do you like to, to give back? Obviously with your no business, you are, is there any other ways that you like to give back? Yeah. So uh, you know, we're um, my wife and I go to church and, and so, so we like to give back to some causes that uh, the church the church uh, undergoes. So uh, we like to give back there. Uh, I really enjoy writing um, the books I've written with Mm -hmm. the emphasis on, um, you know, helping some individuals. I get a lot of positive feedback whereby, um, you know, people have been able to take some nuggets away that have helped them in their journey of building their own business for themselves. So I get a lot of satisfaction in that knowing that I'm doing a small part of helping someone else. Cause I know how incredibly stressful and difficult it is starting your own business. I get it. And, and I've been through all those pains, even spiritually, I even talked about. So any help that I can give um, that, that warms my heart that I can do that. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you got five books that you've written. Uh, so man, that, that takes a lot of time and dedication to write five books. Uh, you definitely have more patience than I do. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to do it if I had the government contracting business. <laughs> <laughs> no way. No way. Not working a hundred hours a week. No, yeah. no way. Uh, which is the, the, the blessing of the note investing business and the multiple streams of income that you've been able to create is that it allows a lot more time freedom, um, probably more money freedom as well. So yeah. that's, that's awesome. Um, what what's a favorite book other than your own that you can uh, pass on to our listeners? Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone's going to give you Rich Dad Poor Dad. I mean, that that's the book that really kind of transformed my thinking of things. Um, you know, Grant Cardone 10x. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, kind of his motivational work, and so I, I just would put those two books out. Cool, that's awesome. Uh, last question. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Yeah, so um, I wrote about that in Node Investing Fundamentals. I have actually three nice. pillars. And that's why I was kind of chuckling like <laughs> when, when I got invited onto your podcast. So in order to build a successful node investing business, I believe these three pillars are, are required. And the first pillar is identity. You have to form an identity in the space. And um, next one is community. If the form of community around you 
and the third one's mechanics and um and people tend to flock to the mechanic pillar because they want to be the doer yeah but uh you need equal emphasis on building the community and identity yeah and you probably need to build the identity and the community first well maybe especially the identity first Right. Yeah. So, so um, in the book, I, I wrote about, and I, and I believe this in my heart of hearts, I believe that everyone daily should be actually doing activities as it relates to each of the three pillars. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, you know, everything is in conjunction and tied together. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, all right. Well, uh, again, really appreciate you being on the show and, uh, we could probably keep talking about a lot of things inflation yeah. <laughs> and you know, handling your money and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we do need to wrap up. So how can our listeners get in touch with you, learn more, more about what you got going on, uh, see the books that you've written, that type of stuff. Sure. So, um, they can go to bqfunds.com to get more information on the fund. They can um, email me at martin at bqfunds.com and uh, myself or one of the team members will send you out a free ebook on BQuest Funds. And, uh, that's and that, so that's B as in boy and, and Q like Queen. Q as in Quincy, F as in Frank, uh, U as in umbrella, N as in Nancy, D as in dog, S as in sam.com. Cool. Awesome. Well, Martin, again, appreciate you joining us and you have a fantastic rest of the day. You as well, Todd. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe, uh, give us a thumbs up, go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, And also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.